What's happening? A good Tuesday to all of you. Thanks for joining me. It is much appreciated. Let's start on a good note, a fun note. Tennessee, the New York Giants, Chicago, Jets, all of those teams won their fifth game this weekend. It was a fantastic weekend if you're into Patriots pick watch. Great news for that. The Patriots currently stand at number two. Shout out to the Titans, Giants, Bears, and Jets for helping the Patriots stay in the top three of the draft order as we get ready for week 15. All right, let's jump right into Bill Belichick's future. I had a Bill Belichick poll on Twitter just the other day, and I simply asked, would you keep or would you fire Belichick? If those were your only two options, what would you do? And 70% of the people, more than 600 people responded, and 70% of those that responded said that they would fire Belichick. They would walk away from Bill. 70%. Now, that begs the question. I saw some people uh, in the comments yesterday wondering, what happens if Bill wins out? What happens if the Patriots actually find a way to beat the Chiefs, then beat the Broncos, then beat Buffalo at Buffalo, then beat the Jets? What happens if the Patriots finish at 7-10? and 10? Does that mean Bill Belichick would remain as the head coach? Does he have a chance? Does he have an opportunity? to keep his job. Well, Tom Curran last night, I thought, had an eye-opening comment last night on early edition, NBC Sports Boston, and I actually went back a couple of times and I typed up what Curran said to make sure I got every single word correct. Here was Curran last night on the early edition. Quote, when the Patriots came out of Germany, conversations I had that week made it very clear, very clear, that a decision was made and they were going to play out the string, and at the end of the year, there would be a parting of the ways for a variety of reasons. So there's Tom Curran last night, early edition, on TV, saying that when the Patriots were leaving Germany, the conversations that Curran had that week as they, were, as they left Germany, lost that game, we all know how it ended, that week, Curran, the conversations he had, people were very clear with him that Belichick was done that a decision was made, and they were moving on. They were going to let this play out, and at the end of the year, there would be a mutually parting of the ways. Curran continued to say it had gone too far. The Germany game, Commanders game, Saints game, there was the Chargers game after that. Even though they won last week, Curran said, I don't think it quells anything. So Tom Curran, who's been on the beat for, what, 30-plus years at this point? says that the conversations he had with people, I don't know, within the organization, just outside the organization, but the conversations he had the week following that Germany game made it very clear to him that the decision had been made, that Belichick was gone. And off of Curran's comments, again, we're going off of Curran. Don't shoot the messenger. If you don't believe what Curran says, Take it up with Tom Curran and not me. I'm just telling you what Tom Curran said last night on early edition. And according to Tom, the Patriots made the decision already. Belichick's gone. Bill Belichick will not be a part of this organization in 2024. When this season ends, Belichick goes. According to the conversations that Tom had with certain people. And going off of those comments from Curran last night, I have some questions and thoughts. Number one, the decision was made, according to Curran, after that Colts game. That Colts game was on November 12th. That's almost one month ago. Now, I want you to think about that. Almost one month ago, 
Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft already made the decision to pull the plug on Bill Belichick. They were two and eight at the time. After that Colts game, they slid down to two and eight. Now, am I surprised? I kind of am surprised that at two and eight, that decision was already made. No matter how you felt, I felt it. I think many of you felt it at two and six, two and seven, two and eight. We could all see the writing was on the wall. We all kind of figured that if this continued to go off the rails, that Belichick would be gone. But Tom Curran is telling us at two and eight, after that game in Germany, the decision was made. The craft said enough is enough. We have to change things. And that to me is surprising because it's a little bit earlier than I thought the crafts would make a decision. Two and eight, you're just beyond the halfway point of the season. You could still technically, even though many of us thought that it was going to be an impossibility, but there was still a slight chance you could end at nine and eight. What if they ran off seven straight games and finished above 500, slid into the playoffs? So it's early to me to make that decision that ownership made according to Comp Curran. Now, in 2023, I said this before the season, okay? You can go back to the Greg Bedard podcast I do with him. I said at the beginning of this season, 2023 was going to be a Bill Belichick litmus test. And it wasn't going to be a litmus test about the defense. All of us thought that this defense was going to be top 10. Now, did we think this defense could be as good as it's been without Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez? No. If you told me that Judon and Gonzalez were going to be out, very early in this season, I would have said, okay, maybe they take a slight step back. They have been analytically the best defense against the run, and they have done more than a good enough job to keep games competitive and give the offense a chance to win the freaking game week in and week out over the past month. But when I looked at this season and when I talked about, when we discussed myself and Greg, and, and I discussed this with others, looking at 2023, it was going to be a litmus test for Bill Belichick because we would finally see whether or not going on the fourth year without Tom Brady, if this offensive structure made sense, if the talent on this roster was enough, if Bill Belichick's approach to offensive football would work in 2023, that was the litmus test. And of course, we look at this, and I believe all of us should unequivocally answer that and say, Belichick's way of offense in 2023 doesn't work. And that was the litmus test. You could also question special teams, and we've gone through the GM stuff. But this season was the true test. If Belichick won, if he finishes with nine wins, I think if he finishes with eight wins, he's likely coming back as the head coach. But the fact that this got off to a 2-10 start, and now they sit at 3-10, we look at this offense and we say, it doesn't work. His idea of what a quarterback should be in the league now, his idea of what offense should be, his handling of the staff, all of those things, they've all come home to roost. So here we are. I also look back at this comment. Again, Tom Curran saying, if you're just joining us, thank you. I appreciate you. But Tom Curran saying last night on NBC Sports Boston's early edition that after that Germany game against the Colts, the decision had been made to move on from Bill Belichick. And when you go back to that, again, that's that's November 12th. And I thought of Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Remember when Florio mentioned that within league circles, people were whispering, whatever the hell he said, that people were talking within the league, that Belichick was going to move on. 
and they started to already connect the dots to the Washington Commanders. Mike Florio said that on November 1st. So Florio said that before the trip to Germany. And then after the trip to Germany is when Tom Curran says the Crafts made the decision to move on from Belichick once this season was over, which begs the question, how much talk had happened before November? How early was this? Had Robert Kraft been talking to Bill Belichick about his future during the season already by the time they got to Germany? Florio comes out on November 1st. This decision was made at around November 12th. I don't think that's some kind of coincidence, right? And again, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what Tom Curran said last night. If this decision was made the week after Germany, then what did Mike Florio know? And who spoke to Mike Florio? Who was within those league circles? Was it Belichick trying to get that out? Was it Kraft trying to get that out? Were Kraft and Belichick talking to get all of this figured out behind the scenes? And then the leaks started to happen. There are so many questions here. I appreciate every single one of you joining me today. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. If you're watching on Twitter, like this video. If you are watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. It takes a second of your time. It means an awful lot to our success. Also, don't forget to comment. I see many of you. I'll get to the, many of you in, in just a few minutes. And subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you a single cent to like, comment, or subscribe. How much is already settled? How much is already done? As back in the day, with it, they would say, how much hay is in the barn already? Like, how much is already settled behind the scenes? If, if Tom Curran, in those conversations he had, after that Colts game in Germany, if those conversations end up being legitimate and this decision has been made and ownership already knows they're moving on from Bill Belichick, if that is the case, then how much of the plan, the succession plan, so to speak, how much of that is already done? I also don't think it's a coincidence if these conversations happened before Germany, which you have to imagine they did, and then the Crafts made the decision that, Kraft, that that Belichick was going to go once they lost to the Colts the way they lost to the Colts. If that's how this all fell together, I don't think it's a coincidence that we've heard a lot of beat reporters talk about Gerard Mayo and say that you know they have some informed intel, informed speculation, however they want to phrase it. But I do think it's telling. That these conversations happened apparently in late October, early November. Decision was made after the Colts game. And, and then we really started to hear about the Gerard Mayo, Bill O'Brien staying in town, Mayo head coach, O'Brien offensive coordinator. How early was that plan put together? It just feels like the succession plan is known. And we can say only Kraft and Belichick knows it. We can say maybe Mayo knows something, but if you put this all together, you have the Florio conversation that starts the whole Bill Belichick might get traded, could end up in Washington. That is followed by the Crafts making a decision after the Colts game. Maybe they made it before the Colts game and Tom Kern had conversations after the game and that's why he caught wind of it then. But then we have after the, the Colts game, Tom Curran talking to people and people saying decisions done, Bill's gone. Then the Mayo, Bill O'Brien stuff starts to pick up. And you could see the through line here. And also, because this began so early, how about talks with other teams? 
Maybe that's why Florio's out there saying it on November 1st. Have have the Patriots, has Belichick, has Belichick's representation, has Kraft, have those people I just mentioned already had certain conversations with other teams about Bill Belichick? Could they be talking about compensation already? We don't know. All of these things are legitimate questions off of what Tom Curran said last night. If the decision was made in November, this could be a very quick departure, which I think would be worth it because this is going to be a gigantic offseason for the Patriots. Head coach, GM, coaching staff, the drafts, the, the, the draft picks that you have, the talent that you've got to figure out with all the free agents walking into free agency, more than a third of this football team free agents after this season is over. This is going to be a ginormous offseason for the Patriots. And the quicker they get this thing figured out, the quicker they figure out the Belichick ending, the better for the organization, better for the franchise, better for the fans, better for everybody to just move the hell on. So if this has been already decided back in November, this is going to be quick. Belichick could be out the very next day after the final game of this season against the Jets, which would be apropos. All right, let's get to a few comments here before I get to Pat McAfee uh, trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, Let's go up here. Boston Swag says, what's up, Nick? Guess Pat McAfee got everything started up. Nothing lasts forever, my friend. Bill had a hell of a run. Appreciate you, Boston Swag, always being involved and supporting the program. Uh, Let's look at Amstel wishing me a good morning. Good morning, Amstel. Appreciate you. Good morning to everybody else. Uh, Mike Larry jumps in and says, this is the time for the coach to shine. What about the offseason when it's the GM's time to shine? Do you still want Belichick? And I think Mike is right on that. A lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I don't mind having head coach Belichick come back. Do you think Belichick would say, you can take the personnel power from me? I don't think so. It's going to be 72 years old. He's been with this organization for almost a quarter of a century. His legacy to him is very important. He wants to beat that Don Shula wins record. I don't think Belichick would slither back to the corner of the room during draft night and allow somebody else to pick that next quarterback for this franchise. I just don't see it happening. Maybe I'm wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. So so maybe, you know, maybe it's a situation that Belichick does say, you know what? I've had a lot of work the last few years. I want to take some off my plate. I don't think that Belichick is that guy. I just don't think he's going to stand up and say, hey, I'm cool. You can you can run this operation any way you want. And I'll just show up when the when the training camp begins and mandatory minicamp, and then I'll start to coach. I, I don't see Belichick being that guy. He has full power, as we know in life, not just sports, but in life. It's very difficult for people to give up full power. When anybody has full autonomy, when anybody has full say, it's very difficult for that person to step back and say, I'm going to relinquish my power. Pete jumps in and says, for a variety of reasons, sounds like more than just win-loss record, Nick. Yeah, it is, Pete. Uh, Tom also mentioned a lot of stuff we've talked about already, right? The handling of the quarterback, the, the drafts recently, the free agency in 2021, the Patricia Joe Judge decisions. He brought all of those things up as well. And that this kind of was the end to it all. Okay, we haven't liked necessarily all of those things leading up to this season. We gave Bill one last shot. We're sitting here now at 2-8 and after that Colts game. Enough is enough. We need to move on, according to Tom Curran. 
All right, let's get to Pat McAfee because he has uh, spoken about the cryptic, controversial ending to the Robert Kraft interview on College Game Day from Saturday. Uh, But before we get to that, I do want to mention I've made an executive decision. Cattle's on Causeway. Celtics podcast is going away. I'm going to put my full attention on this podcast with all of you. And uh, I'm going to continue to talk about the Celtics on this podcast, of course, especially when big things happen. And I still will continue to do selective post-game podcasts throughout the season. But Cattle's on Causeway going on sabbatical. This is going to be a Nick Cattle show, full throttle situation for me. I'm still going to do the Bedard podcast, if you're wondering as well. Bedard is kind of the engine to that vehicle. All right, let's get to Pat McAfee. Yesterday, we had an in-depth conversation on McAfee Craft. You can check out the podcast. But McAfee went on his show yesterday, and he said lots and lots of words. Lots of words. Quote, everybody in New England, and I understand, I guess, from the New England perspective, why they did this. People were saying, I ambushed Robert Kraft. I didn't even ask a question. They said I ambushed him with that. Then we shook hands, and they said Pat just told Robert Kraft that he's going to fire Belichick. Of course, the direct quote from McAfee on Saturday was, I don't envy your position. What's about to happen? We all know we don't have to ask. Now, I didn't think it was an ambush. I think once somebody agrees to an interview, as long as they're on that set, questions are going to be asked, things are going to be said. That's the way it goes. I thought it was a slick way to address Belichick without directly addressing Belichick. That was my take on the situation from 30,000 feet. McAfee continued, though. I did not say that he was going to fire Belichick at all. What I was talking about for the first time in like 20 years, is he going to extend Bill Belichick? Is he going to move on from Bill Belichick? How about the quarterback position? What are you going to do there? Like, I don't envy his position at all. So, Pat, were you asking or not? Were you asking or not? Because you said we all know. We all know we don't have to ask. And then yesterday, you're telling us, oh, well, this is what I was really asking him. Were you asking Robert Kraft a question or not? You said you didn't have to ask it. And then McAfee is also admitting that Belichick was part of the thought process. So he says it wasn't about firing Bill, but it was about whether or not they would extend Bill or if they were going to move on from Bill. What? Uh, he, he literally just pulled the Rick James out of his hat. I want to step on another man's couch. Yeah, I stomped on his couch. Chappelle show, check it out. Fantastic stuff. He literally just did that. Pat McAfee is telling us, that he wasn't asking Kraft about Belichick, but then says part of the question or statement that he threw out there, part of that was whether or not he'd extend Belichick or if he was going to move on from Belichick. So you were asking about Belichick, but you didn't really ask. You just kind of stated. We all know we don't have to ask. And as far as Belichick's extension, Pat McAfee does a daily talk show. We all saw the reports about Belichick's extension from Ian Rappaport in the 25,000 follow-up reports. We all know that Belichick was extended before this season, and we know now through various reports that that extension runs through next year, 2024. So what is McAfee talking about? He was asking if he was going to get extended. We know the answer. He was just extended, and Pat knows that. Pat's talked about it. Pat had Ian Rappaport on a show a billion times before he went to ESPN. So what is he talking about? 
What's he talking about the quarterback? He was asking about the quarterback position. Don't we all see the writing on the wall for the quarterback position? Mac Jones has been benched. He's broken. So what was the question about the quarterback thing? Everybody's talking about the Patriots drafting a quarterback, whether it's in the top of the first round or second round or whatever. A lot of this stuff that McAfee said yesterday doesn't add up. And I like Pat. I do. I like Pat, genuinely. But what's he talking about here? His explanation made no sense to me. And he went on to say, so when I said I don't envy your position, everybody in Boston was like, he just told Robert Kraft he has to fire Bill. I was like, yo, you said that. I was talking about all of the other. Maybe that's one of them. Again, were you talking about Belichick or not, Pat? You're saying you weren't talking about Belichick when you said that to Kraft. Then you say you were thinking of the extension or if they were going to move on from him. And then later on you say, well, I wasn't talking about firing Bill. But maybe that's one of the things I was talking about. More Rick James. Says maybe that's certainly one of the outcomes which leads me even more to say I don't envy his position. The internet just built a narrative really quickly about what I said. So I, after I listened to it back, my intent was that it was nothing else. It's clear to me that Pat McAfee has an issue with the feedback on social media. If you haven't been following, you know, he said he's going to be back to college game day next year. There was some questions whether or not he would be back. He has admitted that he was unsure if he would go back because of some of the stuff he's seen on social media. And it, it seems to me that McAfee saw what was tweeted out there about what he said at the end of that conversation with Kraft and started to kind of freak out a little bit and was trying to figure out how he could find a way out of this situation. And now he's going to blame the narrative. Dude, the narrative, it's not my responsibility. I see some people in the chat. It's not Nolan's responsibility, Mike's responsibility, UB Trippin's responsibility, Peter's responsibility. It's not any of our responsibility to make sense of your sloppy, cryptic statement. It's not on me. It's on you. If you say something cryptic and people take from it what they think you meant, that's not on the person trying to make sense of what you were talking about. It's on you because you weren't clear and you weren't direct. You decided to go cryptic. And because you decided to go cryptic, people like myself went out there and said, he's got to be talking about Belichick. It's not on me. It's on you. You said it. I didn't. Next time, be direct, be concise, be clear about what you are saying. And you won't have the issues that you're having right now. Not a social media problem. It's not a New England problem. It's not a Patriots fan problem. It's not Patriots media problem. It's a you problem, Pat. In this instance, be clear, be direct, be concise. Say what you mean. And when you're trying to explain things away, you have to be even more clear, which you weren't. Just a bunch of word salad yesterday. Like it's your fault. It wasn't about Belichick, but it was about Belichick. It kind of was about Belichick, but it wasn't about Belichick. It was about Belichick's extension. Would they move on from? Belichick's future is the story. It's the story. It's, it's obvious to me 
what people would take out of what McAfee said on Saturday would be Bill Belichick's future. That is the heart of the conversation. It is the national story off the field in the NFL. It's the obvious go-to. Oh, and I have a question for McAfee as well. Why was that part of the interview clipped from the YouTube version? Hmm. Hmm. Remember yesterday? Again, if you want to check out the podcast, you can go back and listen. My thoughts about how these interviews happen, the conversations that happen before these interviews, and the fact that ESPN took out the ending of that interview makes me feel very confident in what I had to say yesterday about the entire situation. There's a reason why ESPN clipped that out. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize what that was, what that reason was. The explanation doesn't make sense. My opinion, and it's just my opinion, Pat either stepped in it and had to backtrack or he regrets being cryptic, knows he handled it wrong, and instead of just coming out and saying I handled it wrong, is trying to stumble and bumble his way through an explanation that made zero sense to anybody who listened to him or read his words. That's my my read on the situation. He stepped in it or he regrets it. And he was trying to backpedal. And the backpedaling was sloppy. That that's that's what I take. That that's that's what I'm thinking. Peter Jacoby says, how much softer of a way can it be mentioned? Yeah, again, I thought they handled it. He handled it with with kid gloves. And my guess, again, is that he understands he stepped in it. Something was said to him. And ESPN pulled the clip at the end of the interview on YouTube. And he knew he had to come out and try to say something to try to make sense of it. That That's, that's how I feel. I feel like Pat stepped in it. And somebody told him he stepped in it and he tried to make it go away yesterday and it didn't go well. It didn't go well. Peter says, not sure why we're mad. Um, yeah, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm passionate. You know, I talk into the microphone. If if I say something and, and, and I'm, I'm cryptic about something and people take something out of it, that's on me. It's not on people listening. It's on me. Budika says, if Pat didn't regret what he said, he would have stood by his word, obviously. Maybe. Maybe. All right, Red Sox make a trade. Shohei Otani shatters records. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up, comment, and subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. It takes a second of your time to click that thumbs up on YouTube if you're watching there, and it means an awful lot. We need to beat that algorithm's ass. All right, Shohei Otani, $700 million, 10-year deal, $68 million per year, is deferred, and I think this is bad for baseball. It's going to set up big markets to be even bigger. You would think that would help Boston, but apparently not so much with this ownership group right now. Uh, This deal with Otani also had zero impact on the CBT, which is crazy to me, but it's a ton of deferred money. Shout out to Shohei. Great deal for him, apparently. But but this opens up a lot of different doors. And I know we've had a lot of deferred money in baseball before, but this is especially egregious. 
The Red Sox weren't in on Otani. Not surprised. We've talked about it before. Check out the prior podcast. It's it's obvious to me and you that Yoshinobu Yamamoto is priority number one for the Red Sox. So how is that going? Here's the latest. Mark Feinson posted today that Yamamoto already met with the Yankees, Mets, and Giants. He will meet with the Red Sox in the coming days. Two or more three team, two or three more teams, including the Blue Jays, will also likely meet with him. Buster only said the Giants met yesterday with Yamamoto. Got a lot of big market teams bidding for his services. John Heyman named the Mets, Yankees, and Dodgers as the top three teams in on Yamamoto. Now, there's lots of time left in this offseason. I understand that. I'm going to give Craig Breslow this offseason to put this roster together. I'm not going to make any kind of grand judgments on December 12th, but I think all of us, we're looking at this, and we don't feel great about where it's going. It certainly seems like Yamamoto is going to head elsewhere. The Sox are not mentioned in the top three from Heyman. How are you not in the top three? How are the Red Sox not in the top three? Their estimated payroll right now is $160 million. The CBT is $237 million, folks. The Red Sox have tons of money to spend right now. Tons of money, tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars to spend this offseason. And you're not going to spend at the top of the market for Yamamoto? He's your number one priority. I don't care if it costs $300 million, $350 million. I don't care if it costs $400 million. You have more than enough money to not be worried about the tax. But here we are again, these other big market teams being mentioned in the top three and the Red Sox being just on the outside. Now, again, nothing has been decided. There's still lots of time left in this offseason. Maybe they'll put it together. But these early reports... And it might be some PTSD from what we've gone through with John Henry the, the last few years. It doesn't make you feel great. And if anybody's worried about spending the money, look, a 25-year-old front of the rotation ace. If you're going to spend big, you spend big on a 25-year-old ace. That's when you should spend the money. That's when I have no problem of spending the money. I wouldn't have wanted Otani for $700 million. Do I want Yamamoto for 300, 350 million? You're damn right I do. Number one guy in that rotation. You need it desperately. There's not a lot of 25 year old aces available in baseball. You don't have to give up talent. This is just a money acquisition. And if the Red Sox don't get to the CBT, we've got big problems on our hands. If they do not get to the CBT, if they don't eclipse the CBT, then Red Sox fans should be infuriated with John Henry even more than they already are. And yes, we should be calling for John Henry to sell this baseball team if they don't get to the CBT. That would be embarrassing. It would be ridiculous. We had to go through all the tax nonsense for years. You're in a spot now to spend tens of millions of dollars on this team, and you're trading for Tyler O'Neill. Again, you have time. But you've got to go out there and do everything you can within every fiber of your being to sign Yamamoto. you got to go all the way to the finish line. You've got to run through the damn tape. And if you don't, fans should be disgusted. All right, that'll do it for today. Hopefully you enjoyed Tuesday's show. I appreciate every single one of you. Again, don't forget, 
It doesn't cost anything. It costs one second of your time to give us that thumbs up, to give us the like, to give us the comments, and to subscribe. Uh, I appreciate every single one of you. Until tomorrow, 11 a.m. sharp right here on YouTube, it's the Nick Cattle Show.